0: Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives and today, we are going to be on the topic of World Usability Day, and we're going to be talking with Dr. Thomas Tobin, and he's going to talk to us about a universal design for learning. First of all, thank you for joining us. I know that you've got a busy schedule, and we appreciate that you're going to take a few minutes to talk with us.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff. I'm delighted that you folks have invited me to come work with you.
0: All right. right, let, I guess let's get started, because I'm sure some people heard that, that title, the intro, and went, what's universal design for learning?
1: So universal design for learning is a set of principles that allows people to get access to learning environments. So if you go back to the 1960s, Ronald Mace was the scholar who put together the idea of universal design. And this is making sure that there's curb cuts in the sidewalk so that people who are using wheelchairs can get access to it. This is making sure that the doorways in your buildings are wide enough for people in wheelchairs to get by. This is putting those bumps on the sidewalk so people who are navigating with canes can realize that the sidewalk is ending and they're about to enter the road. That's universal design. What a lot of people don't get, though, is that universal design actually benefits all of us. When's the last time you were riding a bicycle or the UPS guy had a bunch of boxes on a truck or a dolly and needed to get it into a building or any of those kinds of things? The last time you moved house, Jeff, uh, and you asked your neighbors to help you move a couch and you paid them in pizza and beer, you could actually get the couch through the door because of those laws that make accessibility a requirement. That's universal design in the built environment. In the 1990s, the neuroscientists at CAST, the Center for Special, excuse me, the Center for Accessibility and Special Technology in Boston, they figured out that when we learn anything, whether we're six years old or 60 years old, three different chemical pathways in our brains need to be activated. Now, I'm not going to go into the neuroscience, but it really just means that we have to have a what, a why, and a how. People have to be engaged, They have to be able to take in information, and then they have to be able to practice with it. And this is really powerful for learning because if we give people the information in one way, here's a piece of paper, read this article, student. Maybe the student has time to be able to do it. Maybe the student doesn't. Now if we give that information to the student in more than one way, here's the piece of paper, the article, but here's also the PDF of the article. That student might not have time to read it on paper, but if the student lives in Maryland and is commuting here to York College, well, that's time that that student might be able to use and have that PDF read out loud through the speakers in her car. And that's time for a study that she didn't have before. So that's the what. Universal Design for Learning also says, let's give people more than one way to stay motivated and stay engaged. More than one way to take in the information and the most powerful one, and we'll talk about this in a second, multiple ways to demonstrate their skills too. So UDL, if you think about all the interactions that we have with materials, with each other, with our professors, with the wider world, if there's one way for that to happen now, plus one. Add one more way. That's UDL
0: in a nutshell. All right. So you, you said 1990, kind of this, uh, this process for learning has started. But what you had in 1990, we don't have today from a technological standpoint. You mentioned, you know, have the, have the text read to you. That didn't exist in 1990. Is this a kind of a moving target? Is it, getting, is it changing as we move along and technology changes? Absolutely, Jeff.
1: In fact, Universal Design for Learning doesn't require technology at all. It started out in the K-12 classroom where instructors and teachers and building management, they started to see that if we gave people information in audio formats or in printed formats, if we allowed our K-12 students to respond to an assignment by writing a two-page paper, or by just recording some audio back in the day on cassette tapes right (laughs) that students actually flourished because they had the choice in the first place now you're absolutely right that technology has caught up with all of us back in 1990 if i was walking down the street and i were i had a device out and i was talking into it i was obviously someone with a disability now we all have powerful tools in our pockets our mobile phones And those mobile devices, those are affordances that used to be just for people who had disability barriers in their lives. Now we all have those affordances. And so the technology has helped universal design for learning because now the argument isn't, let's make these changes because we might have some students with disabilities in our college classrooms. The argument is Let's give people more choice and more control over how they path through their college learning, and that leads to greater student persistence, retention, and satisfaction. And we have 30 years of data to back that up.
0: So really, in a a way, uh, we are trying to make all all students have a better and a, a more universal experience.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that's surprising to a lot of people is that The people in our classes who are using these choices when we build them in, they're not all our commuter students. They're they're the students who live five minutes away from campus or the students who are in residential uh, buildings on campus at other colleges and universities. They're people who have work responsibilities, family responsibilities. Our biggest barrier is no longer the physical environment. It's the clock we've all got other things going on and we're trying to shoehorn education into our busy lives whether we are traditional age freshman students or we are returning adult students the one thing that we don't have is lots of time so UDL actually helps us to help students be better prepared come to class ready to join the conversation and do the work and they have a more satisfying experience of their education too Oh, and by the way, it actually saves time and effort for instructors as
0: well. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to discuss that. We're talking with Dr. Thomas Tobin. We're talking about universal design for learning. Talk about uh, how this helps uh, educators uh, become, I guess, better teachers.
1: One of the real advantages to adopting a universal design for learning mindset as an instructor is that it helps us To lower barriers to learning for all of our students so it's work that we do up front that pays us back here's something for your listeners to think about in all of the learning interactions that you facilitate whether you're an instructor whether you're in the registrar's office whether you work in counseling no matter your role in a college or university think about three different pain points pinch points things that don't go the way you want them to go over and over and over again. So for an instructor, where do the students always send you, Jeff, the instructor, the same email question 700 (laughs) times at the end of week two, asking the same question over and over? Secondarily, where are there pinch points where the students always get the same things wrong on the midterm examination and you, the instructor, have to reteach it? Or third, where do your students say, hey, Professor Jeff, that was great, and I still don't get it those are the places to start doing a little plus one thinking help people to stay engaged help them stay with it help them see the connections to larger things or structures give people more than one way to get at the information so they can study effectively and take the choice or if the choice is made for them because of their circumstances they actually have the time and then here's the last one and here's the important one give your learners more than one way to demonstrate the skill I don't know about you, but uh, when I teach my English courses, at the end of the course, I have 40 five-page essays. And by the time I'm grading, like, essay number 26, I (laughs) I wonder, can I take a break? These all kind of read the same, they're all making the same mistakes, they all have the same strengths. So give your students the option, plus one that. Could they write the paper or turn the selfie camera on their phones to good use? and narrate it like they're reporting something for a radio station or a news station. Can you grade those in the same way? If you're using the same criteria for both versions, that's Universal Design for Learning, and your students will feel better about their skills because they have the choice. Big asterisk on this one. If the format is the assignment, so for my essay that I have at my end of my English class, how can I tell that that video has inch and a half margins yeah proper times new roman double space i can't (laughs) but so the final thing i don't give them the option but along the way when they're drafting if i'm looking for a paragraph that has a clear thesis sentence and details evidence and examples to support it you bet i'm giving them some choices there and my students really appreciate having those choices so that's the most powerful part of universal design for learning and i think it's one that's the most underutilized right now so i want to spread the word about that one
0: for educators, are some of these people going to have to, especially the ones that have been doing it for 20, 30, you know, or, or more years, are they going to have to try to relearn or think outside the box? What What do you say to the educator that's been doing it for a long time that's not necessarily willing to change that much?
1: Uh, we're actually not going to take away your box. Universal Design for Learning is not a set of practices. It's not something new that you have to learn. It is a mindset. That lays on top of whatever you teach, however you teach it. And as we're thinking about that, if you're in an active learning classroom, you've adopted the flipped learning model, you're a standard chalk and talk lecturer, UDL doesn't make you change that. The change that UDL helps you do is it helps you to give people choices in how they stay motivated, how they take in information, and then how they share that information back to you. It doesn't make you change. It just gives people more options, and last word on that, it is work that pays us back.
0: Does this also help the students in a way uh, that may, may not be the quote-unquote traditional learners? Uh, you know, you, you, you hear that a lot. Does it help them uh, become better at, at learning and, and succeeding in college?
1: I can't actually answer that question (laughs) okay because anything that we do that gives students more time for study more time for interaction and closer interactions with the materials with each other and their instructors anything we do is actually going to move the needle on that universal design for learning methods help to set up those interactions so that students can be successful for them so the direct answer is we don't know the indirect answer is heck yes and you talked about our non-traditional students our traditional student these days is a 37 year old latina mother of two who has a full-time job non-traditional is the new traditional even at colleges where we have a large commuter population and a large local population of people who are feeding directly to us from high schools even here at someplace like York College, we're seeing more and more and more people coming back to get their educations, and that non-traditional population, we're close to the tipping point where that's the new normal, and it's also for our 18 and 19-year-olds as well. So anything we can do to reach out to them and help them find even 20 more minutes in their day for study, interaction, or scholarship, that's a win for them.
0: Dr. Thomas Tobin, uh, thank you. Universal Design for Learning, it's, it sounds fascinating for both the educator as well as the student. Thank you for coming and spending some time with us.
1: Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate you inviting me.
0: Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 9 o'clock. Public Affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the Executive Director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.